Thank you. We will. I won't grill her. <laughs> that feels free. <laughs> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Welcome to another episode of the Mo Show podcast. I uh, am privileged and honored to have Marluce Knippingberg. Did I get it right the second yes. time? I did. Thank CEO you. of uh, Keratin Hospitality. Uh, she's from Holland, a country very dear to my heart. Thank you so much uh, for A, coming into my studio and visiting our beautiful city, Jeddah. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. How have you been? Very well. Has the hospitality sector would you say, along with the transportation perhaps, but has the hospitality sector been the most challenged in the last two or three years? Probably very many sectors have been challenged for the last couple of years, but I think also it has really helped to go fast forward. So prior to the difficulties for the last couple of years, I think people weren't um, so aware of the changes that were about to happen. Um, everybody is talking about new concepts, if that was co-living or co-working or digital nomads or everything was just all about the millennials and maybe Gen Z. And I think through the last couple of years, we've seen that owners, real estate developers, um, investors all of a sudden have to look at diversifying their portfolios, that the classic traditional products that, you know, were always kind of the way to go or no longer the way to go. And adapting to, you know, digital nomads or people working from anywhere. It was something that if you said this two, three years ago, we're working from home, the natural reaction was absolutely not. Everybody has to be in the office at eight, nine, 10, whichever time everybody starts, but everybody has to be together. Um, in our case, we've never had a gorgeous big office somewhere with everybody in it. When we started, we wanted to create a, a, let's call it a collection of talents. And the way to find them is just anywhere. There is different countries, different places, different times to bring people on. But you can't do that if you're really place bound, time bound and everything else. And I think for a company like ours, um, where it's all about lifestyle, it's all about connection, community, etc., we can much more integrate much better. And I think we've we've received a much greater stage because of what happened, right? For some, it was really bad. For others, you know, they accelerated throughout it. So you guys built the house hotel. You were behind the house hotel in Saudi and in, in Jeddah and you manage it now. The decision to uh, have Jeddah on, in the network of, of your hotel group, probably ha has come in and around just before COVID, I would imagine. Actually, much further before. And so we weren't the ones to build it. So it's the house is our concept. Um, it's it's our brand. Um, there is always a, a developer or an owner behind it. In this case, it's Pure Houses uh, Development. Um, and very interesting because when we started the conversations five years ago, they're probably the most forward thinking, believing and, and wanting to put a product in the market that was different. Um, and when we started the conversations, there was, you know, it was all about vision 2030 at the time, but it had just started, like the conversations had just started. And, you know, it, with every change, people go like, ah, you know, it will happen or it will not happen. It will happen or it will not happen. And for a product like the house, we don't have brand standards. We go by brand guidelines. And brand guidelines allow us to create different projects and different products under the same brand in different locations. But it requires collaboration. It requires real integration into the culture and the locality. Plus, it requires dialogue. And as you see the country change and, and you know, the acceleration of change here is phenomenal. It's just being part of that and, and really experiencing it. And, you know, we haven't come in two, three years. It's five or six years we've been traveling and seeing it and experiencing and living it. And um, I always say I now leave my clothes pretty much everywhere. So you find some of my clothes in Jeddah and my running shoes in Riyadh. Um, but it's, you know, it's it's. These kind of projects, they're not based on product and look and feel. They're really based on the feeling they give you. Um, and 
Saudi Arabia when when we entered because we we knew we wanted to be in the GCC. That was absolutely a focus for us. Um, and at the time, it was still if you're not in Dubai, you're not cool. Um, but we we just had a great connection with our Jeddah House Hotel owners, um, and probably you know there was a there was the the greatest opportunity for this true connection, right? I mean. If you look at the size of the countries, if you look at the size of the communities and the local communities, there's very few countries that have as many locals yeah. as Saudi Arabia. So if you want to create something that's truly connected, it was here. Was uh, Jeddah the first landing spot for the house hotel in the GCC? It was, yes, yes. And which is, you know, if you say this now, right? And even at the time, as a are you going to Jeddah? Are you going to Saudi Arabia? Um, and people were, I'd say, really kind of stereotypical in all of the questions that they used to ask, and mainly so when we when it comes to um, security and safety and everything else. Now it's Marlou, are you going to Saudi anytime soon? <laughs> yes, um, and people are asking if they can come. And people are asking if they if they can come and experience. So you know, much has changed. But yes, it was the first landing spot, um, and from there we 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 actually signed a lot of different projects, um, and they were all building simultaneously. So we we just opened Georgia twentieth um, of July. Um, we are beautiful country. I hear Georgia. It's gorgeous. Nice. Yeah. And you know. And another country that has such a great potential, a great tech system. Um, they've worked really hard in creating an environment for investment. Um, and through a couple of interesting projects have put Georgia on the map. Yeah, today, and when people talk about culinary, they talk about Georgia. And it has mountains, it has sea, it has city, it has shopping. It has culinary experiences and it has a lot of culture and history. Um, and nowadays, it's only a four-hour direct flight from Jeddah and Riyadh, so you know you can do it over the weekend. Um, and then after that, we were so we just opened Kuwait. That's uh, eighty kilometers out of the city center. And before this sounds like an advert, um, it's you know the 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 thing with Kuwait is Kuwait city is one part, but Tehran is where all of the locals have their summer houses or their weekend houses where they put their boats. So again, you go into a destination where international clientele goes because of consultancy, because of business, because of corporate, and you have a great local audience that travels there. So all of a sudden, all of these projects are coming together that attracting locals and internationals. Do you know that Kuwait is the culinary capital of the region? I didn't know that, but I can see why. I know people that go there on the weekends to try their restaurants out. They've been at the forefront for two decades now. There's also an obesity issue there. But they are known to have top-notch restaurants there mm -hmm. before Dubai's rise. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that from everything that I've seen and experienced, the F&B has always been... It's the yeah, top. Great. <laughs> but you have to say nowadays, and I'm not, you know, pro... Saudi Arabia in in everything but when you look at what's happening here now with regards to food and kind of local concepts and actions it's actually really pushing it's, their lines it's forward. funny you say that because it was a week ago where I was having a conversation with my sisters and I said for the longest time we talk about Kuwait and how good it's gone but have we taken a second to realize how much the standards in F&B has climbed in in Saudi mm -hmm. it, it I mean I've said it a bunch of time on episodes, but but really with every month I hear of a, of a top-notch restaurant opening, 20 years ago, there were two decent restaurants in town. There was a Japanese and there was a Chinese. That's it. Now you're spoiled for options. Yes. You can't keep up. Yes. Standards have really, I'm sure you've seen. But you know what's, a, what's the alternative nice thing is now when you ask, okay, I want a local experience. People actually are willing to send you somewhere for a local experience. And um, we have a project coming up in, in Abha. Okay. It's actually our, our sister brand coming up there, Cloud7. Hotel? or uh, It's a 
55 eco villas, um, long stay, nice. short stay kind of community of um, leisure visitors and, and kind of a different audience, which is much more this a corporate audience building Suda or building Apa or who need an injection of locality, lifestyle, something different. But when you travel there and you travel around, probably I've had my best river fish there. And you drive half an hour out going into, you know, the areas of, of history and whatever. I didn't know you do this tea in these hot clay pots and you put them super hot. And then all of a sudden you put the water, it comes over. The best tea experience. It's good, isn't it? Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. My Bedouin grandmother is from that region, from Soda. Ah. Yeah. And it's the second time I went uh, two years ago. Uh-huh. And um, I was like, what a nice part of the country. Yes. You feel that outback, you know, woods, mountain vibe. And and PIF are actually doing a big project, resort project up in Soda. Uh, that's going to kind of be like a wildlife reserve slash resort. So it's good to see that Abha is, you know, has gotten some recognition to... To, to really put it at, uh, you know, one of the forefronts of Saudi tourism. But when you put any video of Abha and surrounding anywhere, nobody believes it. No. It's green. Yeah. It has rain. It gets ice cold. Yeah. It's not really the, the natural yeah. destination that everybody's saying, oh, Saudi Arabia, green, and everything else that comes with it. Breaks the stereotypes, doesn't it? What would you say has changed in your industry-wise, in terms of like what the traveler wants, demands, expectations, if COVID at all, or it doesn't have to be COVID-centric, but what has changed since in the last decade or so? Um, people are searching, almost yearning more of an experience. Um, I'd say luxury ha- is no longer uh, expensive materials, marbles, and you know the kind of physical product. Luxury almost has become something that is just me. It's just for me. It's tailored to me. It's kind of having something and getting something that not everybody gets or getting something that is tailored, tweaked a little bit. And before it was very much about creating a a safe haven. So something recognizable. You know, you know that you have the same Caesar salad wherever you go or the same kind of breakfast experience or you know where the light button is because, you know, with your favorite brand, that's always the way. We can see that people are much more looking for something that is localized, that mm-hmm. connects them to place and is not anymore just product led. And then you have this integration of working spaces or integration of you know, living product where the good old times you used to live in one building, work in the other building and go to a hotel in the next building. It's much more blending together um, and people are not willing to travel as much through a city. They're, they like to take a plane or like to take a train or to take the car and experience something. But when they're in a city or in a place, they like it to come to them, not necessarily wasting time going around and that's really an interesting change because before it was really about the same was what used to attract people how funny in a, in at a time when we're always told consistency is the name of the game here you are saying actually it's not it's not that's no, correct i can believe that i i definitely can believe that and it's even when you have you know, when you kind of say, and our chief experience officer always says this, you know, um, we're not creating a home away from home because if I leave my home, I want to go and experience something else. We want you to feel comfortable, feel connected, have this experience, but not necessarily replicate something that was always done. And I think it's it's generational changes, right? It's, you know, one generation wants the same, the next generation just simply doesn't, just by default. Plus, People are more knowledgeable. I mean, the amount of hours they spent on Snapchat, YouTube. Um, so all of a sudden, you're living other people's lives. You see what they can get. What So it's no longer so scary to go and try a brand that you haven't tried or eat food that you haven't eaten or connect to somebody you didn't know before. Um, 
and I think that that whole true connection that it's it's connection to locality, connection to people, connection to your environment and all of that is really something that is not dictated by consistency and same product and replication of what you can have everywhere. And I think, I mean, I travel maybe ridiculously a lot, but there are certain places you wake up and you wake up and you have no clue where you are. And I really, it's, it's that first 30 seconds when you open your eyes, just like, mm. And it's so nice when you're in a product where actually you open your eyes and go like, ah, yes, mm -hmm. I do know where I am. I remember checking it. Yes, <laughs> that's really true. It's a testament to how much you travel. Um, do you love what you do? <laughs> what makes you get up every day and go to work? Well, the days that I sleep and get up, um, you know, it's, the impact, the people, and every business has to make commercial sense, right? Where we're not a charity in that sense. Um, but if it's suppliers, if it's owners, if it's the team, if it's guests, if it's all of that, it's really, I feel that every single time I wake up or every single time I go to a project or I'm home in connection with what we're doing, I feel we're really making an impact on the industry and the world. And when I say impact, if that's by using local supply chain or creating transparency of supply chain or, you know, connecting with the people around or taking a team on board that doesn't maybe have all of those experiences, it, we always say we don't sell perfection, but we do sell kind of human interaction and, and a human experience you know when you talk about impact and we talk about for example about sustainability we hired a, um, a lady um was 24 years old studied sustainability but is really driven by social sustainability something that's not like talked about so much when you listen to her speak it's it's I don't want to say a matter of life and death, but it's not just a side gig that, you know, you come up, you put in a beautiful business plan and you just look at it whenever, you know, the time is right. But it's something that really integrates. And I think by the combination of having this young generation and having this true passion and seeing what's going on, it really makes me tick every single day because you see people thriving on it. You see them developing. You see you can create opportunity for them. And we talk about ecosystem. And somebody said a couple of days ago, ecosystem, when you talk about it, it's almost like you're creating a mini economy. And I think it was such a great way of saying ecosystem because ecosystem always sounds very fancy. It's a bit like saying community. It sounds very fancy. And then, you know, what does it mean? But a mini economy is something re people can relate to. And when you're building that, yeah, it's all about people getting to know each other, being able to do something together. If something comes out of that or not, you know, if that's, but more than just creating transactions, I'd say that really drives me. So a community is what pulls you into the group investing in that city or town you almost establish size of the community. What are their values? What do they do? What do they like? What do they not like? And then let's tailor make the product subject to their interests. Very much so. So it's it's and maybe it's even when we start it, we look at really this this target audience and what's happening. And I would say we start connecting to people that become our community, like-minded people or products that are, you know, interesting or um, products that resonate with people or other people that like other people. And based on that, you learn a lot. And, you know, coming to the consistency in a brand standard by versus a brand guideline, right, is if you try to replicate something that works in London, in Jeddah, or, you know, you do that in Shanghai, People's culture, people's values, people, you know, thinking process is very different. And the moment that you immerse into this, you can adapt. 
and you can really tailor it. And it's very interesting because then, you know, the way that you just described community comes together it, it because they all have a reason to come together. And it, you know, it's if you relate to it in, in very simple terms, right? When you look from a technology perspective, there's so many platforms that come up and they, they're a community platform. Here you can come on and connect to each other. Hey, who has time to go onto a platform to connect to other people just because? Why does LinkedIn do so well? Because there's a reason. There's a reason to go on, right? You want to either know something about somebody, you want another job, you're curious about a person, you're preparing for a meeting. There is reasons to go into that community and communicate into that community. And that's just a, a physical platform that you go on. When you take that into real life, is how often do you get into an elevator and just say, hey, uh, this is me. Uh, who are you? What are you doing? It's not really the kind of conversation you have. If you create an environment for like-minded people, and that's not just on a creative level, that can be on a commercial level, that can be on an investment level, that can be on very many levels. And you then, you know, connect people together with a reason or somebody just walks through the lobby or you create a product where it's easier with less barriers for people to talk to each other, you create a community. But you can't say, I'm going to create a community tomorrow. And, you know, before it used to be like, yeah, but what happens if you're creative and, you know, you're not there? Really what we've worked on for quite a long time is process the creativity. And so following a process to for anybody in the organization to build up the people around, to connect with the people around, to understand the surroundings and build the product accordingly, not vice versa. We're not building a product and then we see if there's actually a target audience for it. Sorry, I'm truly passionate about this. Sorry, there's it. on and on. No, don't <laughs> apologize, please. It's fantastic. It's um, it's a unique time to to be in Saudi. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you said six years ago the project was an idea. Vision twenty thirty is about six seven years old, and tourism is one of the main pillars yeah. of uh, of that vision. Did that play a role in seeing that? Okay, there's a country here that wants to go into tourism. Um, let's put ourselves in a position in a position where we can help support them in their pursuit of building a, uh, a being a tourism destination in, in, in the world. Was that something that you guys saw as an opportunity? I'd say if I would say yes, that sound, would sound probably arrogant at a very different level. I Would it? I mean, I, the thing is that business. You, yes. This country's opening up. You know, I don't think six years ago, even five years ago, we envisioned what's going on today. And even at that time, what happened every single year, we didn't, we didn't in the slightest expect this to go like that. So I would say it was a great opportunity at a great time in the beginning of something. I've always had a, a great passion for the Middle East because I just feel connected to the culture. I feel at home and, and I've always felt at home. Um, so don't come here because of business i come because i actually want to be um when was your first time yeah it was six years ago that was your first time in the that region was, it, no it was the first time in saudi arabia in, saudi. In, in the region my first time was in 2000. 2000. i lived in abu dhabi in 2000 oh, when yeah. there was very little around <laughs> and you go from abu dhabi to dubai yeah. through the desert which today you can't see anymore but there's always the hospitality the openness the bringing everybody in. If you invite two people for dinner, there's definitely 12 coming or nobody. You know, this this way, um, just enjoy that. And so when we started, the connection definitely was there. And it was almost a bit of that adventure, great opportunity, connection with the owners. We, even though we were so different, we spoke the same language, loved our passion, they loved ours. Um, and so it started growing and, and we almost grew with the way Vision 2030 was growing and we came more and, and you know, I said before, making an impact was important, but that has always been important. You know, it's never been just about 
let's go and you know find this big bucket of gold it's always been it has to make commercial impact it has to you know the roi if anything has to really make sense, make sense yeah but do good on the way without it just being the superficial do good like truly connect to where it is truly you know try to evolve and, and multiply and, and everything else you don't get to be ceo without seeing challenges or being challenged failing mm -hmm. um, going through tough times can you single out a time in your life and this is actually not in my notes i just feel comfortable asking this question can you single out a, can we use the word failure it's got a negative connotation a time where you experienced failure that taught you a lot that perhaps helped you get to where you are today oh absolutely um what my what the first 10 years of my uh, business career was corporate absolutely truly as corporate as, as you can go which was a great school great school um when i decided to leave i could see the world was changing and i could see in a in a big corporate machine it's very difficult to turn the ship when it's sailing and going right and kind of i don't know if it was just opportunistic crazy or anything else i decided that this was not my future so i i stopped i worked whatever 17 hours my last day left but i didn't have a plan and it probably taught me so much about you know what can happen because when you thrive on on excitement and passion and success and you know just goes on and on you don't really know how far the ground is through your feet um and by experience how far that was and it really took me a while to to find that way but i i had incredible people i met on that journey and you know what it taught me it was really that the people you expected the least from are the ones that come on your journey and define where you're going. And the ones that you expected most from were not there. I see where that I, I see where that was going. Yes, but the, you know what's what's How ironic. Can, but you can blame everybody, right? I decided to leave, right? I decided to make a change. So I never had, oh, let's point some fingers at all. And it's also, I mean, I wake up in general, my glass is half full by default. Um, I don't wake up negative or, or seeing the, the worst of it. But it really taught me how difficult certain things can be. And then when we started this, obviously, you, you kind of knock doors, you sleep in front of doors, you chase people. Um, and, and, you know, that until you get to this point where people actually come to you, it takes it takes a long time. And it really forms who you are, because I think today, the one thing that it has taught me is unless we keep our feet on the ground and unless we really stay focused in, in what we're trying to achieve and, and what we're doing, we're losing it. That's a big, uh, it's a big learning and that's a, that's a life lesson. Yes. Huh? yes. It's something that you have probably incorporated in your corporate life and then as well as maybe in, in just life in general sure don't write people off people yeah. will surprise you you know those who probably Very you true. didn't think much of ended up as you said surprising yes wow powerful but that's also it comes back to community right and it comes back to connection and that's always you know when you say locality or connection to people you need a bit of a mix of everything for something to come together and and, and to work mm -hmm. Um, Saudi is unique. The populace is pretty unique if you can envision a population pyramid very wide at the bottom. Yeah. I just don't want to get the numbers wrong, but it's about 50% under the age of 30. Is that an opportunity for you guys to look into hiring Saudis, young, young Saudis who want to enter the hospitality space? It's an opportunity full stop. And I think no, not I think. It's part of our DNA and it has been part of our DNA. When you just look at the Keratin Hospitality team, it's very diverse. 
we're probably 50-50 male-female, although the male version still says that we're, we're dominating, but we're not. And it, But it was never a business plan. It We just grew together like that. And when you look at um, not just gender, but you look at diversity with regards to culture, uh, where people are coming from and age, it's very diverse. So business development is what 24 head of ESG 24 um head of technical services 65 plus um but it makes a great mix and when we looked at the statistics when we started it was I think the GCC was set to be 68 percent under 35 um and that's also why we went from brand standards to brand guidelines, why we create different products, why we integrate and why we say we don't sell perfection because the moment that you build up that kind of uh, human touch, there is, you know, things that happen. If you ask people to be themselves, well, not everybody's the same and not everybody likes the same. And one of the things I've always said, and you know, when when the hospitality first saw technology, and I was uh, robots will make coffee. The first thing it was, every single newspaper was full of it. Hospitality, it's all about the human touch. It's all about the human interaction and what will happen. Now the hospitality is saying, we have a shortage of people. Where do we find them? Why do they not want to come and work with us? When you look at the behavior of the younger generation, and that's not everybody, right? But our generation probably says, well, okay, we need to create social spaces because they like to be social. Yeah, they like to be social on their phone. You know, it's it's if you have 30 applications open the same time and your concentration span is 20 seconds, it's very difficult to expect somebody to do something the same eight to 10 hours a day, every single day. And I think when you look at something like Uber, for example, is it just successful because it's really convenient? Yeah, fine. But it's also great, right? I can do this next to my job. I can do it for a couple of hours a day. I can make this my full-time job. I can. It's really wide what, what it allows you to do. And I think with where this is going and, and where you see this newer generations, and that's also why we've injected from the beginning on property, so house hotel here, but also in our other projects and in head office, so many young talents but the one thing that we've always done is hey we we won this award for remote ship when COVID just started because we didn't want to cut internships um and again team members were just spread and they never saw another human mm. the only thing is you need to come with responsibility you need to come with ownership and you need to be self-motivated because if you're just coming in an organization to be the youngest and give your opinion and that's it. It doesn't work for an organization like ours. But if you're ready to take on a piece and learn on the way, pretty much be my guest. Um, and we really facilitate that. We integrate that and we don't make it this one is younger. So we just, you know, take it as it comes or really making a point of it. Um, and you see that on property. You, you know, we have really talented, young Saudi men and women in the team and it's interesting because once once you start speaking to them and once you start experiencing you learn so much and even the processes that you implement you somehow have to adapt them you learn you adapt you see if it works and you you kind of go from there but there's no set piece of paper that somebody can give you to say this is how you should deal with them and now everybody wants to go into the hospitality it just doesn't function that way. No blueprint. Mm -mm. No, <laughs> not yet. Looking towards seven, eight years from now, by, by 2030, um, what do you expect to see generally? I'm going to let you answer that question in any specific way. Where do you see the industry, the space that you are in um, seven, eight years from now? Yeah, I would love to know what will happen next year, let alone 2030. Love to know what will happen tomorrow. <laughs> Pretty much. What <laughs> um, I think what's, what's really interesting is that you have these parallel streams going on at the moment, right? You have this, this stream of giga projects going on, which probably by then, not probably, part of those will be on the map, phase one, two, three, whichever phase they're in. Plus you have private sector that, 
understands that there's all of these untapped destinations that are not just Jadariyat Khobar, um, that, you know, could use different products and there's really different demands going into those destinations. You have those two things going in parallel. At the same time, like I said before, is people are saying, can I join you to Saudi? Can I come and see? There's a lot more workforce coming in. There's a lot more people from, you know, the, the developing cities coming into the industry. It will be really interesting to see in 2030. And I'm I'm kind of like if I if I look fast forward, I think there will be a number of destinations that people are just so curious about. You know, today is what Muganos, Maldives, London, Paris, yeah, tick, 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 tick. The the kind of bucket list locations people will go to once they know about them. And look at Alula. And we're starting to we're starting to operate there actually in November. I was going to ask you, please tell me that you're going to open in my favorite city. In we South. are, we are. I cannot tell you so much about it yet, but that's uh, amazing. November, I can see it. I can see the brand there. And the the when you look at, uh, and it's fantastic. Yes. The there is such a local community, and there's so much happening. And again, we will take a product that doesn't go by perfection, but will bring together this kind of mid-market, creative, uh, curious, local audience together. And I think Saudi Arabia in 2030 will have many more of those projects. Um, there will, it will be so much on the, the map of tourism that also, I mean, look, Italy, Spain, Portugal, they just launched the digital nomad visa so you can go tax-free live and work there for i think it's a year or something i guessing um but i'm assuming pretty much saudi arabia will will not be far behind to say come just set up and digital nomads before was just young kids that you know wake up at four and go to bed at seven and that's it now it's not related to to age. It's not related to income. It's really related to if your job allows and if your role allows, you can go and experience. And that you don't need to do in a big city. You can do pretty much from anywhere where you really want to experience. So long-wounded answer to, I think there's so much happening between now and 2030. I'd be really curious to see, even from a technology perspective, from a security perspective, from you know all of those elements integrated within the industry. Because Saudi Arabia hasn't been open that long, it's, it's not preset, it's not preempted. So you can jump from today to almost to the future in a much faster manner, integrating all industries together, which really, offers such an an advantage yeah. slightly off piece here maybe we keep this maybe we don't <laughs> you know what bothers me a lot about staying in a hotel the check-in and check-out process okay hear me out <laughs> let me know Every, if you want some I, more I, everybody uh, does <laughs> okay thank you with where technology is today and say if hotel x had an app can we not check in on an app whereby when we get to the check-in on the app, your room number is X, you enter the hotel, because now phones can open your car. I have, I don't have a Tesla, I have a Ford, and I can open the car on my phone. How cool would it be to get to your room and you, and then the door opens or the code pops up like a uh, one-time password and it opens huh. the door. Are we far away from such an experience whereby you don't have to uh, deal with uh, a reception? A uh, <laughs> no, I, you're super close. So you can see it in, in many countries. It's happening already. I think what's great, and that's not just about Saudi Arabia, but GCC in general, security levels are really high. Um, and I think that's one of the most amazing things. I still, and I know I shouldn't do it, but I leave my handbag pretty much anywhere. I walk off and I come back to still find it there. I, the same in Europe. It's not the same, right? Um, so in London, you can leave something and it'll be there when you're back. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, 
it's no, it's it's so close. It's like unreal, but it's all about security. And I think where um, probably you will see it first is the airport, where it's probably recognized face recognition, and you just walk through no longer. You have to check everything. Um, the the greatest piece of it is data protection. Um, you know, even you can open the with your telephone the door. You can do that today places. But the thing is all about the data that goes through, the connection you create, and everything else. But come again to the to the point of technology. I am assuming you're going to make like 15 steps ahead without going through the painful process. Just see what was the learnings everywhere else. Skip that and just go almost to perfect. Um, and you know there is. It used to be even in, in hospitality, you could have a, a room for a night or room for a day. And the day use room was always, there was always this dark kind of cloud around it. You know, something dodgy must yeah. happen. Actually, when you look at it today, right, not everybody can check in after two or leave at 10. If your flight is at, I don't know, if you come in at 1 a.m. and you leave at 8, you need the room for six hours. You don't want to just stay at an airport. You can experience something. Other times you need a room for 24 hours because you're exactly there just a little longer. Um, I think it, if you look at some of the new uh, property management systems, um, and good friends of mine launched one five years ago called Muse, I, you know, they just based their whole philosophy on what you're just saying. It's annoying. I've already filled out all of these questions online. You're still asking me the same questions that I already filled out. How can we make this process easier? And then if you fast track that with other integrations of technology, you know, all of a sudden, you know, patterns, you know, everything else. But in the hospitality industry, we collect a lot of data. We don't necessarily are able to analyze so much data. Um, we look a lot of past past data but not really you know what's somebody doing yesterday or something like that where other industries are much more developed um if you integrate those two together hey you could really create experiences that are so much more tailored and that take away this check-in check-out headaches and the kind of timing problems because as a property you can't even clean all the rooms you know at the same two or three hours so if you spread that over 24 it creates very many opportunities. I would imagine it being really advantageous to the business people who are traveling. Uh, maybe not so much in tourism. We have all day, you know, whatever, we're, we're, we're relaxed. But with the, you know, business people, they want to just get into the room, sleep, wake up, leave people. the next day. Yeah. I've left many hotels without checking out. And they call me. I'm like, uh, yeah, sorry, I was in a rush. I just, between me and you and whoever's watching. <laughs> If the line is there, you're sorry, right? I'm out. You have my card. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's interesting. It's a very, very interesting space. Um, would you say technology today has helped market the product? Do you guys work with influencers? There's a few questions there. Technology, influencers, uh, how... Um, effective are influencers if you've had any experience with working any? Um, it's a much better question for our chief experience officer oh, because okay. he has a very strong opinion about it. Um, I, so yes, we have worked with influencers, but much more micro-influencers than, than influencers on a big scale. Um, and we haven't, most of the time, w there was no payment because there might be, you know, to the mini economy and, and the kind of there might be not even a free stay, but something else, an introduction to somebody or a relation in a different way or a different business opportunity, but something that is a, a two way interaction, because if you have influencers, yes, it puts a product on a map really quickly, but to reach the target audience, you want to have in your property and the kind of like-minded people. It's not a product for the mass and then everybody comes in. It's a bit like a, when you do a, a big opening event. We've never done big opening events. 
simply because we don't believe in it. You have a certain audience that comes to be seen, goes on a picture, you have some publications, but those are normally not the audience that will actually stay. Where if you create open days and you create connections and you create something that goes on for much longer, you get people that truly want the product or believe in it or want to be part of it or can identify themselves with or they're just curious about it. When you come to the question of do we use technology, yes, but do we use it when it's to the advantage of the experience, not tech for tech. Um, and when technology came in hospitality, it was really expensive, um, very difficult to implement, and there wasn't so much experience in it. So. We are, we've never come on the market to say we're, we're the kind of disruptors, we're, we're leading the change, we're not. And there are certain things that you know, is much better for others to test first and then for us to, to implement. The one thing that we are doing is we're launching a, a community platform, a, a mini neighborhood platform, which really becomes a tool for our channel managers and properties to be able to almost curate a neighborhood get the suppliers and if that's retail or FMB or, you know, the, the little shop that has the computer cable or, you know, the shop next door that has the running shoes, you wouldn't know if you go into a property, you wouldn't be able to, to, to see and test around and everything else. If somebody did that for you, all of a sudden you, you connect everything together. So this, yes, we use technology for, because if you go and Uber Eats or any of, you know, the other aggregators, or you have something that is tailored for you, it's so much easier. And again, supports locality, supports kind of environment. Um, and I think what, what you've seen with globalization is that the big brands really shot through the roof. Um, and for a lot of the smaller brands, it's not just a matter of, of cost, because yes, it's costly, but it's also a matter of experience of knowing where to start of how to do it. And this kind of integration, yes, this we facilitate. And for this, yes, we use technology. And yes, once we can get a, a property management system, a PMS and, and check in that is very different and elaborate the way that we've built up the company, it will allow owners to actually pick what is new. And, you know, the word agile is really overused nowadays. But when you build processes that are flexible, but still you get your reports ready whenever you need to get them ready, your finance system is in place, you can start playing with different elements as the world is changing. Um, I'm honored that you decided to choose my podcast uh, to celebrate the House Hotel's first birthday. Yes. It, has it been a year? Yeah. Yes. It's a little longer. You guys have done a lot in that year, I thought maybe two years. Uh, what were, would you say, a highlight in your eyes of what happened in the past 12 months since inception? Wow, it might be five years actually, but <laughs> um, I'd say highlights, the, the, the team coming together. I think that was really one of the highlights, the way that that team started growing. Um, I'd say the way that uh, the curation of, of the entire plaza and the restaurants have come together and how those owners have started the integration. I'd say um, our owners who who really kind of, you know, started living this journey together with us um, and and really kept on asking and developing and, and wanting and, and, and growing more. Um, we became boutique hotel of the year with Condé Nast, bigger one we just won um it's a nice award yes that's very nice and we just won a small property um national level for meat and it's a big jury that you know there's nothing you can pay nothing you can do it and it's a really big submission um and we just won that um congratulations thank you that's felt really good uh, we had His Excellency, the Minister of Tourism, Al-Khatib, stay with us, which was such a great compliment of, of him bringing his, not his entire team, it would be almost impossible, but some really key people in his team, you know, if it's from TDF or SDA or, or you know, the, the, the supporters, the advisors. Um, it's the ultimate validation, huh? But not just him staying but actually immersing in in the product and immersing in the experience and genuinely being interested not just 
come stay, sniff, smell. Yeah. And PR, but, no, it was no, real. No, it was, yes, and it was genuine, which is such a, it, it's not just a compliment, it's, it's so meaningful for all of us, for the teams, for everybody involved, for, you know, that's what we've been working for so long. Um, we had one of our, um, our uh, Saudi team members in front of us who drove a, a guest to one of his meetings with his own car once. Um, and it was picked up again by the media because he just, and it was panic in the lobby. And instead of just, you know, oh, I have to ask somebody, I have to do this. He just said, come on, let's go. And just did it. And it was just such a human reaction. And we celebrated that and we didn't just celebrate the line. We we actually really gave him a, a bigger role. We were training him to, you know, pick that up, teach others to do that. Um, proactivity, being proactive. Being real, being yourself, right? The one thing that is probably the most difficult in the industry and, and for a product like us is creating a culture where you can be yourself because that's really difficult. People find it so much easier if you tell them, use his surname or use his first name three times when you talk so much easier because you just set the rules they just now have to follow it and if somebody didn't like it doesn't matter because that's the rule the moment that you say really truly want people to experience you want to to see what's going on that is so much more complicated yeah. and that's you know that's something that i see where we will be working on for you know the next couple of years because it's much you, the creative process you can you can pretty much process map you can put something to it that can scale because many people ask us you know sounds really great looks like there's a lot of effort in all of these projects but not scalable but the way that we've built it up now it's very scalable and it doesn't need just one person it can be done by others the culture piece and the way of people being themselves, this will take time yeah. because it's not a, a natural done to to anything. Yeah. What's next for the Jeddah chapter of the House Hotel? Oh, good. Um, we are opening uh, the suites, which are, I have to say, they've done an amazing job with it. And they're all individual and they all look different. So, um, far, so far, it was just standard rooms. It was just and uh, junior suites. Okay. Um, but again, you know, it's it's phased approach. Everybody has a different opinion about you. Either make it work or you don't make it work, right? Um, the event space, which is not classic meeting space, um, because one of the key parts with both of our brands, Cloud7 and The House, is we don't have classic meeting floors. Because meeting product can drive some business, but most of the times the occupancies on a, on a classic meeting floor is really low. And if that would happen in your bedrooms, you know, that would be panic. People are used to the fact that meeting rooms are kind of empty, but it's difficult for people to find places where they want to do their events or a place that, you know, you can show or be in and, and you feel you can identify yourself with it or you can make your own mark. And that's what we're creating there. We still have a couple of restaurants that are coming online um, and then the the greater picture is is more in Saudi Arabia. So Alula still this year, APA being developed. A uh, couple of things I can't talk about yet, uh, but very very exciting. Did you say Alula this year? Yeah. This was a really good kept secret, by the way. And it still is. But after this, I'm sure it's no longer a secret. <laughs> <laughs> How many rooms? One fifty. Oh, big a, a big uh, footprint. Yes, Fantastic. it's a big project. Very and again, it will be a product that we will develop out. And the whole idea is that while we're underground, we will start developing it. So it's not this perfect business plan concept that comes to life. It's really the experiences and we will learn as we go with the locality, with complementing what is there and creating that connection to they're doing so much there and they're doing so many creative projects is that if that's art or media or food or events or and you know it's when you go you can be a you can you can see it from a distance or you know you can kind of sit in this stage and see it or you can be part of it and this is really what we're going to create is you know for people to be part of that do you like the uh, old town vibe 
It would be difficult not to like that, right? I mean, put me there for a while, I wouldn't mind. Yeah. You know, I drive there from here, seven hours. I did. It's it's oh you you've done the drive as well. Oh yes. Really? I did the drive from Jeddah to Umnush, from Umnush to Alula, from Alula to Tabuk, from Tabuk to Neom, from Neom to Aqaba because we have a Cloud Seven no project way. in Aqaba. Look at you, you you've been around Saudi in car. I but even in, in train, I did from here to Alasa. Oh you okay, yeah. That. Or sorry, I did that from Riyadh. So okay. the train experience. Smart, yeah. Yes. And it was but this is the way, and I think this is really what has been very important to us, is it's great to talk about developing cities, right? But you go to Bahanapa, they're both very different, and they're both in need of something very different, and a very different product, and a very different approach. And it's very difficult to do that from your mm -hmm. desk. Once you experience it, and we haven't just done that in Saudi Arabia, we're going, um, we signed a project going into Rome, so we're opening Rome next year city city center 150 meters from the spanish steps but Beautiful. we're putting cloud seven mid-market product city center where everybody else would say let's put a five-star kind of product but five-star lifestyle has done so much that if you put something mid-market or something that contradicts each other a little bit you put a product that's not necessarily there and so you create that curiosity again, you create that connection, you create that locality. Um, and so our, our next developments you see coming next year will be Mediterranean Europe, Portugal, Spain, Italy, Greece, pretty much that same mentality, same philosophy, same kind of approach to the GCC when it comes to hospitality. Marrakesh coming on, on the map quarter one next year. I'd like to see, say, end of this year, but I'm pretty sure we're quite full for the end of this year. So but Al-Ula is end of this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. For sure. We're looking at November, December? We're looking at November. Okay, fantastic. Can I reach out to one of your team members? I would like to be a paying customer yes. at uh, this facility. Yes. Because um, Al-Ula was in need of um, a facility, a good hotel. There are a few there, but uh, but every time I'm there, it's full. But uh, I think we should take this one step further in that case. If you just come as a visitor, you know, just for tourism, fine, tick, tick. But I think the, the vicinity and the way that we're positioning, come for two weeks, pick up and just be a digital nomad from there, set up shop from there. And I think you could actually really create such a different connection and, and so much more than just experiencing it as a tourist. So yeah. Come, I should yeah. I should have opened with this question. How many uh, live locations are there today? Uh, live, I think we're at seven or eight now. We should be at 12 by the end of this year. We're going to be doubling that next year. So we're at 24 and 25 next year. And how old is the company? Seven years. Um, we have 45, 46 projects signed and we're, that goes up to 50 plus probably by the end of this year. Um, and there, you know, comes in where People first looked at us like this kind of cute, funny boutique brand that might not be scalable. You look today, our projects in Egypt are two and a half thousand keys and they've been building for five years. In so, Egypt? Mm -hmm, they're probably the most sustainable developer. North Coast? North Coast, I um, And Sukhna, so one and a half hours out of Cairo, um, Fuka, which is North Coast leisure destination. But Sukhna is, uh, is really a secondary city, yeah. building yeah. universities, um, hospitals, uh, residential at different levels. And they try to take transportation, as in car transportation, really out of the development. Now, it's still difficult today to take that out fully. But, you know, they've really done a great job putting that, putting sustainability on, on the map. Um, and again, they're you know, with every single project, it's not just our projects, but I would say we almost have a, a collection of owners that are visionaries, that are, that are really understanding that the world is changing, understanding that unless they diversify their product, they're just simply going to compete against everything else that's coming into the market. Um, and that counts for the person in Kuwait, as well as accounts for our owner in Georgia, where we just actually signed another project last week. Um, so that makes five, I think, now. And, you know, it, it's not that 
I don't care about the numbers because I really do care about the numbers. But I don't think at the moment it's about if it's 12 or 13, if it is 25 or 26. It's really about doubling, scaling, and making it work so we truly create within the industry a product that is different because it's led by people and experiences in locality that is able to adapt. And that's why we, we always talk about hospitality, not just hotels. We do long and short stay, and we love to combine it. We do working spaces, and we love to integrate this. We have our own F&B brands. We love to collaborate with others. Once you start complementing that, you have this ecosystem, this mini economy that goes into your building. You do. Uh, I'm recalling a, uh, a saying based on a lot of what you just said, which is escape competition through authenticity. Mm-hmm. Be authentic and you will give the competition a bit of trouble. Mm-hmm. And and this is coming to mind when, when you know, you, I can imagine with the Ola product, it's going to be different to the Jeddah product. It's going to be different to the Marrakesh yes. product. It's going to be different to the one 150 meters yes. away from the Spanish steps product. Yes. yes. And uh, it must be really nice that you were there from the beginning, yes. from its infancy. Yes. And I thought 20, 30 branches by now, but seven in seven years, you built it from the ground up. Yes. But, the, you know, it's it's fine <clears throat> when you say the authenticity and the kind of competition and all that. It's something that is very difficult to create on a business plan. It's unless you live it and you experience it and you talk to people and you go around and you continue to connect and continue to refresh, you can't. And I feel say, you know, do we want to develop another couple of brands? Not right now, because there's no necessity, because it's not necessarily the brand that is giving you that differentiation factor. It's much more the way that you develop the product for the people you want to attract that is going to make that difference. Um, And, you know, we work with different interior designers. We work with different curators. We, you know, within the team, um, we actually just took on a, a culture art person. Um, we have a creative director in the team, which is very uncommon when you look at the hierarchical kind of chart in, in our industry, but it suits our products and it really suits what we're doing. And you know, even if you bring in an art director who's just going to look at visual pieces, it's not going to make any change. No. But if you look at all of the touch points, all of a sudden you do make that change. Yeah. How funny. Before we wrap up, Marlouz, thank you so much for everything that you have uh, said to us, uh, information that you shared with us, hopefully some information that people will be hearing for the first time. <laughs> um, Actually a lot, because your really? questions are quite different. <laughs> yes, they're not where did you start it and, and go from there. Thank you so much for all that. Uh, before we wrap up, I, you know, and then I'll give you a chance to, to say uh, whatever you want to say. but. Would you have any advice, and I kind of use this question at the end of of pretty much every episode, what would your advice be to those up and coming people who want to enter the hospitality space across the world, who are studying hospitality or who are going from high school to university and who have a keen eye on hospitality? What would your advice be to them? Um, Try to be good at one thing and really accelerated it. Um, I think today, People like to be good at a lot of different things and jump very quickly from one side to the other. Um, And there's very few that truly own their space and, and kind of make a mark. And in a world with so much media and kind of being the coolest and the best with the most followers and, and everything else, when you look at the business world, at the end, it's about bottom line, right? However you look at that, even if it's a not-for-profit or whatever, it, you know, whatever you build has to be sustainable in whichever way. The moment you're good at something and you accelerate in something, you make your mark and you then learn from there. Um, and I would say, I don't want to say be daring, but but take responsibility. Um, the moment you take responsibility in ownership and you own your space, I'd say there's so many great opportunities within the industry and out of the industry and, and connecting that where it's not untouched, but, you know, the industry is growing so fast and needs so many people. 
but with the demands that are coming up, really looking for people that are that are shining stars, but not because they're amazing and everything. You can be a shining star because you're good at one thing. Um, and I think we're often say like, okay, if you're not good at something, just try to fix that first before. I think today with the pace, everything is going, just if you're strong at something, accelerate yeah. in that and then see whatever happens comes after. Great advice. When you said words to the effect of do one thing and, and, and do it right, and I have their book up there, the best burger chain in the world, it only has 300 branches. And it's called In-N-Out, uh -huh. California, uh -huh. a few locations in Texas, I think Oregon as well. You know what's on their menu? Hamburger, cheeseburger, double cheeseburger. Right. And then obviously fries. Yes. <laughs> no chicken, no nuggets, no cheese sticks, no yes. nothing. Yes. No. Just do one damn thing and do it right. And nobody will compete with you if you're yes. just focusing on that. Yes. And there's no surprise that they are the unanimously um, undisputed <laughs> Best burger I in the world. That, Next time you find yourself in California, uh, track one down. Uh, think of me. Order the the double double, which is the double cheeseburger. You will uh, go back up to the counter and order another one. <laughs> I will do that. I'll not forget. Marlouz, thank you so very much thank for you. coming on the show. I I, I love. Uh, you know what you're doing to our country in the hospitality sector. When I walk into the house hotel, like. Wow, we've never had a product like this in, in Jeddah. And now you say you're opening an Ula, and I'm sure you're not going to stop there. So uh, as a Saudi citizen, thank you for all the efforts, the research, the sleepless nights, the everything that goes into it. I see the hard work and, um, and I trust that the industry is rewarding you for all the hard work that you put in. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and thank you for being so real. Looking forward to the future. I try to be. Yes, <laughs> us too. Thanks so much, Marcus. Appreciate you. it. Amazing. Thank you awesome. so much. It's good. <laughs>